Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Swim Podcast, episode number 14. The someone who isn't me on this one is musician and artist Wes Borland. And in it, we talk about his just released solo album, which is called Crystal Machete, which is kind of like a synth-driven post-rock soundtrack album. So if you're a fan of things like Zombie and John Carpenter's soundtracks, a bit of Giorgio Moroder, some John Zorn, uh, maybe even a bit of Battles, then you, you should check it out. You'll really dig it. I think it's great. So we talk about that. We also talk a bit about Limp Biscuit and the situation with their album. We get into the whole thing about um, some of his onstage personas and, and the implications of the different ones, which is really cool. We talk about the writing and recording of the upcoming new Queen Kwong record. Uh, we talk a bit about his TV show that he was on recently with his fiance Karay from Queen Kwong, uh, which is like a house renovation show. As always, the podcast is, is a labour of love, so if you could uh, leave a nice review and a rating on iTunes, that would be awesome. Also, spread the word. I'd really appreciate it, and so would my cat. Listen. Genuine purrs. So this is Wes Borland. Enjoy. You know, these recorders are really helpful. Right. I use, I've got the Zoom. I don't know how it compares to the Olympus, but I'm sure it's... Is that an Olympus? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they compare, but I end up using these on records all the time. To yeah. To record, like, sounds out in the field. Yeah. You know, and then bring them in. And sometimes I can't tell the quality difference between that and, like, a U87 or something. It's pretty wow. amazing. And I've gotten some of the best just stereo drum recordings on those things that I've ever gotten before. I've just sat one of them in front of a drum kit. And they super, they squash and it really hard. and They well, they sound really, like as long as you're not peeking out your levels, you bring it in and like throw a compressor plug in on it. And all of a sudden it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, it sounds like, it sounds like a mixed drum kit. Amazing. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to speak to you about is the fact that, um, was that a good way to get into that it? Would, yeah, I mean, we're off. We're off. We're into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I think um, one of the things that I, I really respect about you is the fact that you've got this attitude of um, of treating music like art, which is one of the things that I also find something that you obviously really struggle with other things because of that. But I find that, um, you know like crystal machete that you've just put out mm -hmm. 
that just seemed to appear out of nowhere and it's this it's an amazing album thanks it sounds like um it's so cinematic it sounds like um like it was made as a soundtrack that was kind of the the idea when mm. it when it started i wanted to do um I mean that's that's sort of my dream job is to do soundtracks and yeah. find a director to work with or someone to work with that you know would allow me to collaborate with them. I've I've done several soundtracks um, with composers with other composers who hire me as like an additional musician to supplement what they're doing already. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those have been for like shitty movies like Saw and Resident Evil and underworld and <laughs> yeah. know, stuff like that 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 uh you know when i say shitty movies it's not that i think they're um unentertaining yeah. they're just um they're not what you're going for well and I, i'm happy to work on i mean i worked on a miley cyrus movie before and that was absolutely just awful but it wasn't as bad as all i bet kinds that would be interesting now though Oh, to work on one now? Yeah, with her. She's she seems. This to was have... before she got quote unquote cool. <laughs> this was before her rebranding. Do you think it's a rebranding? I just think she took loads and loads of drugs and started hanging out with Wayne Coyne. That's a rebranding. I guess so. I wouldn't have said it was necessarily a conscious one. It just seems that she seems to be. Anyway, whatever. Well, she dropped a lot of weight and cut all her hair off and. Started doing drugs and doing loads of started taking her clothes off. Yeah, that's a rebranding, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's like a I'm that's, gonna, how, that's, that's how a I'm conscious. Re- yeah, that's how I'm planning to do my rebrand. <laughs> yeah, that that would look great for for us guys. Yeah, to do that. Um, but yeah, so I I think that that's how I that's how it sounds to me with that record anyway, and I think that um. Which then made me think of the Lotus Island record as well, because when you put that yeah, out... Yeah, that was sort of the transition into Crystal Machete, was yeah. Lotus Island. It was just like, you know what, I'm just going to... Um, no one really cares what I'm doing anymore. I'm kind of like... Um, like, I've never been much of a guitar player, and I'm sort of like a, a has-been as far as being like a rock artist. So I've kind of... I feel like you're selling degener- yourself short on both of those, but carry on. But I've uh, kind of uh, degenerated into this um, place where nobody gives a fuck about what I'm doing, so I might as well just do whatever I want. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's what makes me happy is to do music like that. I'm not yeah. trying to, um, yeah. I've got a I've got a blooming career in reality renovation television now, so. <laughs> Well, go to yeah. hell music yeah. <laughs> i'll do whatever i want <laughs> yeah i've sold out in a whole nother area of entertainment i want to talk about that in a minute yeah, but, right. um i think the thing with lotus Island, i mean we spoke about it yeah. a bunch when when you did that record yeah and um it i you know and i actually sat and watched um holy mountain with it playing i thought it was an amazing piece of work i can't even imagine how much effort had gone into it but with with um with this new album did you did you write that did you just write it with um scenes in mind or were you just looking at it just doing a straight album or did you have visual references that you then wrote to that you don't want to tell anyone about um there were no visual references no. at all it was just um i it was like writing a soundtrack 
that I imagined a film to afterwards. Like I knew I was gonna have a main titles and end credits yeah. to like bookend everything. Um, but from there, it was just um, just playing around and not caring about too much and just sort of being myself. So that like elements of you know, I'm sure there were elements that sounded like slightly like Limp Biscuit on it like Limp Bizkit music and I'm sure there are elements you know the very lighter side of that with delayed guitars and stuff and hmm. there are elements that were you know the part of me that made Big Dumb Face like 15 years ago was present on it because yeah. there were you know some of the I I just sort of let my mind go and not like if things got serious or things got a little funny or they got a little cheeky or corny or whatever happened on on the record it was fine because it was all just it was, it was just going to be whatever it was and hmm. to whatever the film was um with that said i had really strong parameters going into it which were um it's going to be a soundtrack to an 80s science fiction slash horror movie yeah um it's gonna i'm gonna um seek out all these 80s synthesizer sounds that were very from very specific films like legend and blade runner and yeah. um you know the uh, smattering of the john carpenter movies yeah. and like i'm gonna use all these specific synthesizers that they used on these movies and these you know there's actually a lot of miami vice soundtrack like from the <laughs> from the 80s that's awesome though. yeah like i i actually love that like that whole era of music yeah. you know i mean it's just i just there's something i mean there's something about like riding that cheesy edge and not going like dipping a little bit into corniness yeah. but then bringing it back enough to where you know just sort of like something about that is just i don't know no i, I agree i, I think i, really, I think I that really was a, an amazing like genre music you've got bands like zombie making a career out of you know using those reference points and making it their own and mm. i think it's incredible like to like actually do the do the the research and like build a sonic palette out of those those things is incredible like and yeah, yeah and then adding in my kind of my own thing yeah. with it you know yeah like i i was just i just finished stranger things and i know Loved every, it. yeah right Everyone's yeah. been going on about it, and like you can't escape it at the moment. But one of the things, straight away, is is that the the intro music is incredible. Yeah, and and the, and the way the titles look and the way everything looks. I mean, it's yeah, it's very ET and Goonies. Yeah, like the the combination of those yeah. two films. But um, man, did they nail it! Perfect. I mean, nailed it. Yeah, and left it open as well, which is rad. Mm -hmm. But um. Yeah, I find I find it interesting to go, to go back and and use those sort of things as reference points to and to find sounds and use them and apply them in in newer ways because I don't, I don't think it is cheesy. I think that there I think there's an added value of nostalgia to those sort of mm -hmm. sounds now as well. Yeah, it makes me feel really comfortable. Yeah. Like when I'm when I hear sounds like that and it, and it reminds me of the films that I grew up on that were um that just made me feel better you know like when mm. i watched those movies it was it was an escape from everything else that was going on and i mean going to you know elementary or primary school and high school is just it's a, just 
awful. You know, in best years of your life. Yeah, it's just terrible in yeah. a terrible time. You know, for I think almost everyone has just a really shitty time in school. But like, yeah, and time just goes by so slowly, and yeah. it just crawls by. And you have to, you're learning all these, you know, terrible things about life. Like, not everyone likes you. <laughs> people are really shitty yeah <laughs> you know there's you're sort of like learning how everything else is going to be but yeah. a very severe version sort of of yeah. how everything else is going to be and um you know where people are just ruthless not that they get any less ruthless but no they just try and disguise it, it yeah yeah but um i think that those films really you know i'm sure people you know who are different ages than i am have different films that make them feel that way um but you know those films from the 80s just it's like a little piece of me that wasn't that had nothing bad affect it like yeah. there's nothing bad in that compartment in my soul or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's like know. a little refuge with those yeah sounds. a little refuge with those sounds and those films and yeah for sure that's great and I think a lot of people feel that way. That's probably, I mean, that I think people, I think that's why Star Wars is so successful because it was an escape, you know, for so many people. And Star Wars is almost like sports at this point, where, like, yeah. you can find somebody that like so many people like it that it's an easy way to have immediately Make have a, a common interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Huh. And I have no interest in sports, so I find it hard to have, have you know conversation with strangers right off the bat yeah or you know want to talk about the game yeah <laughs> the we, match yeah I, I struggle with that as well but then i think that's why a lot of people end up in music is because they're those people that never never really went there with that sort of stuff mm -hmm. i mean that's music has always been like that that lifeline for people hasn't it don't you think it was for me anyway. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, I'm sort of running out of that now because I'm kind of lost interest in the band thing. Um, so I'm trying to, I, I'm sort of devolving into just being really introverted and kind of a pretentious prick. <laughs> Great. Devolving into being a pretentious has-been prick that's not interested in what anyone's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that as well. But I don't a lot feel, of the time. I don't feel like a dick. I kind no, of I feel don't like, think so at all. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like a dick. I've just have kind of. Become... I don't think we'd be friends if you were a dick. Well, you never know. Maybe you're a dick too. Well, yeah. Maybe we're just like both clueless dicks. <laughs> at least we're not. Pussy. I mean, at least we're not pussies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny actually, like you saying about this, because I was thinking um, earlier when I was coming in. I remember my old band was on tour and I think it was around 98 mm -hmm. and we were playing at Nottingham Rock City and you were playing upstairs I think it was with Soulfly maybe yeah and I remember coming upstairs we were playing in the downstairs room and watching you lot sound check and I remember you just yeah I think you had like it sounds really creepy, actually. Like, I've been watching you for all this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But I just remember thinking that uh, 
I wanted to like go and say hello to you because I felt that we'd have a lot in common. Yeah. Because at that point I was, I don't know. Well, you should have. That was a miserable tour. <laughs> we had a bus on that tour with, we had a bus on that tour with no air conditioning or heat or anything. Yeah. Um, it broke down all the time. Um, at least we weren't in a in a um, van or a sprinter or anything. I don't think we they were. had sprinters then, did they? Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. Of um, sorts. Anyway. I, like I wish we would have been in a. It, somehow like we had a crew we'd somehow had a crew of guys then like everybody wanted to have a crew yeah and and it was a bunch of like because like then it would be people yeah so it was a bunch of our crew was a bunch of non-paid guys from home that were like friends with everybody who were just along for the ride and just taking up space so we had a we had this like a bus that was probably the same cost as a, as a nice sprinter and we were just hobbling along with all these just idiots with us and um we're sleeping on the floor of the venues yeah because it was so hot on the bus nobody could sleep and no one had any money all of us were broke we didn't have any money and we had no no uh soulfly wouldn't give us catering so we had no food they wouldn't even give us they wouldn't even give me a cup of coffee wow so and our per diem was something like i don't know like five pounds or ten pounds a day you were opening on that right opening on that yeah Yeah. so everybody had ten pounds a day which was enough for people to eat like fast food Mm. twice yeah and (laughs) it it was absolutely miserable and we ended up getting ourselves kicked off that tour on purpose by just going on stage and making noise and not playing any songs wow for just like because because they were they like the band like wouldn't like soulfly wouldn't really talk to us very much and wouldn't that's so weird it was so weird because i mean they're and then within a short space of time that must have just flipped yeah, it flipped. Like, all of a sudden, we had, you know, a lot of success. But that was one of the last tours before the... We did a bunch of tours before yeah. success happened, and that was just miserable. Yeah. Yeah, just absolutely miserable. I mean, don't get me wrong. We didn't pay our dues for very long. It was a quick, you know, it was a quick, like, year and a half. Maybe three years before things, like, yeah. really hit big, but... Yeah, there was some interesting times. Yeah. In those three years. And I've been in the band longer now since I originally was. Yeah, because when did you leave? Uh, 2001. So yeah. it was nine. It was like 96, 96 to 2001. Hmm. And then I've been back since 2009. Yeah. So. It's funny. Like, that, that whole period was, was... Was nuts. I remember, like biggest band on the planet at that at that point yeah for a little while like chocolate yeah. starfish was like what like a million million plus records in the first week million seven and in, in the first week which is I, still like which now you can i mean that yeah nobody can do that nobody will ever do that again that was a good point for music at that point it was the the last point for music now it's just like 
it's so weird there's a band that this three girl band that just appeared out of nowhere that has all this major label backing and all these rave reviews from all the hipster websites and they've just sold out a tour and Karay and I just heard of them last night I can't even remember what the name is but they're everywhere all of a sudden yeah and they've got 3,000 followers on social media and we're like what the hell and super glossy produced high level like multiple videos they only have three songs out they haven't haven't even put a record out yet and we're just like it's like the new payola or something i guess yeah but i mean that that kind of happened back then as well i guess but it was just oh yeah we it was biscuit all... was that was we got um our label got busted for doing payola for us yeah yeah they were there was a big thing where um we were like they were paying radio stations or like mtv or something like we biscuit totally got the, the label got busted for payola wow it was a big article back then it's nuts i just i just remember that whole thing just kind of watching it f slightly from the outside and just thinking how mind-blowing it was and you know I, I like i like that band a lot yeah yeah probably way more than <laughs> probably more than i do yeah <laughs> but no, yeah. I like it. I, just, I mean, I like it enough to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, I always thought our paths would have crossed, though. I mean, we played one show with you. Which one? It was uh, Finsbury Park. We, uh, Biffy Clyro opened. Mm -hmm. It was us and, and then you guys. What year was that? I don't know, what, like 2000, 2001, 2000? Oh, that's when I was super over it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. That's when I Because I remember that. Yeah. Because I didn't see you for the whole thing. So, yeah, that would probably explain that. Yeah, I just would stay. I would just, like, not show up and just show up right when I had to and then do makeup and go on. on for stage. somebody that was, was over it, you used to put, well, and, you know, you you were never was, that guy. you were never that guy that would just walk on in the clothes that <laughs> no that I still put tons of I mean I've always put tons of effort into it even when I was over it but I wasn't over I wasn't over being a musician or trying to you know do some sort of art in some way I yeah. was over being famous mm. I didn't like being fam I like I I didn't I didn't like being famous because it, like I never really wanted to be on that level and I yeah. and I also didn't want to um, have I think it took me a long time and I'm still still have trouble with it now having other people interpret what you're doing when when like yeah when when you put something out into the world to um, I don't mind reviews or or you know criticisms I mean they're not they're not bad reviews and, and, and people being critical or, or dismissing you is, is just, you know, comes with the territory. But when people like what you're doing, but they like it for some reason that you didn't intend yeah. and it comes back and people interpret what their view of your work is and it's not what you intended. That's, that's what I, when yeah, a lot of that started happening, I was just like, Oh, I don't like this. You know, I don't like, <laughs> 
what because of the type of crowd that it attracted and more it, like I I don't mind who my fans are. It's more of like what it just depends on what they're interpreting it as. You know, like if I like to, I'll take like makeup for example. It's like when when I've you know and when I've tried to like in the past go oh I'm doing this makeup because. I really like this opera that I saw, and like this is the state theatrical makeup from this opera. But when that translate comes across, people are like, "Oh, the makeup that reminds me of like that dude I like from the WWF wrestling." You know, so they yeah. go, "That's their only point of reference." So they're like, "You're trying to do this," and it comes back, and all of a sudden, people are like, "I really like that guy because he likes wrestling." So they they've they've taken like what wow. you've done and turned it around and it comes back to you and and have these assumptions about you as a person because of their biases and their reference and I think even though that's just the way of the world and that's fine yeah you know and that and that shouldn't bother anyone for me it was just sort of like you know I thought going into it oh I'm gonna you know reference all these things I'm doing and you know and and you know like put up a flag and people are like oh I like that too but then you realize that what you're doing is so what I was doing was so like such a tiny slice of awareness would be like it, it's such a it's such a small amount of awareness that it's it's just how do I say this I think I've already said it yeah, but I think, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. But then if we were to go back to the whole thing about what a shitty time high school was for, yeah. for most people, yeah. the the one thing in amongst all that, the saving, the saving grace in that world yeah. was that you would find five people maybe yeah. that were totally on the same track as you. Mm -hmm. So then in the same way, you could look at it that the, 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 the tiny sliver of people yeah. that were getting it would, you know, you, you find, you could, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I think that, you know, I, I applaud it and I think it was always such a strong element to the band as well, you know, visually. And, and I, I never once looked at it personally and, and went, huh. <laughs> it makes me laugh now you've said about it I'm going to start thinking about it in that sense about oh wow he must really like wrestling but, yeah um, but I mean it, it seemed way beyond that um, for me but I guess whatever well I think probably yeah. probably because you got a, a larger amount of reference to pull from yeah maybe you know but but did you uh, it's interesting you say about that because when I'm when I interviewed Jazz Coleman from Killing Joke and also when I spoke to Maynard from mm -hmm. Tool recently I said what's to he like now what's that like Maynard yeah um he was very shy um and I felt like he was weighing me up for the first 15 minutes 20 minutes is that minutes. the first time you've spoken to him yeah uh, I'd actually spoke to him once before when mm -hmm. I was a kid which I didn't even say to him about because it's one of those things where, you know, people are like, never meet your idols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where I met him. Oh, yeah, he's him. a bad one to meet. I met him after a show and he cut me down so bad that I actually laugh about it 
now mm. still thinking about it because it was like yeah i'd probably have done that too if i was in that position <laughs> like it was it was harsh but funny yeah but i didn't even mention it because it would have been it would have been really awkward but um yeah he was great but i i spoke to him about the whole thing about when he you know he'd wear like he'd come out and wear a lot of face paint and yeah. would do like kabuki faces and, mm-hmm. and have like a bra with like fake tits and yeah. stuff and then uh when i was speaking to jazz coleman as well he was saying you know he puts on makeup and in it he would use it as a see in my head i see it that it's also it's like a form of armor in a way that that you can act in a certain way and not and not feel as self-conscious about certain things and you can go further and push things in a more artistic direction because you're this other person this character and then and then both of them well obviously it was it was um uh jazz coleman first i i sort of said you know that he's very well known for for almost channeling this other Mm -hmm. person that he is when he's on stage and when Mm -hmm. he's performing and i said that to maynard and he said it's exactly the same thing that is a way of putting something on and then getting out the way and letting things move through you how do you view it discuss I mean, it's the dip. Like, I normally wouldn't drink my like pee in a bottle and drink my own urine. And and do you think? But that... I wouldn't. Uh, like, that's that's one of the more, you know, that 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 or I wouldn't normally run around trying to unplug the lighting rig, at a show, just because or throwing smoke machines off stage or, you know, zip tying. I was zip tying people's shoes crew member's shoes to like the scaffolding around the stage like at one point like I that whole thing as far as like acting like a complete idiot slash asshole or you know not taking your own safety into account or throwing Mm -hmm. guitars through the air or tackling people or you know riding jumping on top of my guitar rig and riding it to the ground and possibly destroying large amounts of costly equipment like none of that stuff in the moment seem is anything i would do in normal life and i think having being in a character Hmm. channels yes that sort of um that sort of like whether I'm taking something out on everything or I'm just like suspending, um, you know, suspending all sort of normal parameters that I would function within to not be arrested in, in my everyday life. Like it's, I think that it's, it's just like a free for all for me sometimes. Yeah. And, um, I don't I I don't know why that's okay and I don't I don't feel like I don't feel good about it afterwards. <laughs> Is that but, after uh, once you've then removed all your makeup? Yeah. Well there you go. That's really interesting. Like I don't feel good about what I've done on stage, but it's all part of what makes the show a show. Yeah. You know, and I agree. And I for me it's you know it's cathartic 
in some way yeah. and i don't really f i if i never was able to do it again right now that would be fine because i've done it enough and i don't <laughs> i'm not really the I'm not really as angry of a person. I think as people get older, the anger just turns into tiredness. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm not angry at the world anymore. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> yeah. To where I'm just like, so true. where I'm just like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. There's, funny. there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no way we're gonna win the fight. We might as well just, just keep on. <laughs> just ignore it. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> that's brilliant. So this thing about, um, because you've had really, you know, it, it, you would have certain themes for different eras. Yeah. And I guess that's just a, a case of. Current interests. Yeah. Yeah. Or but like you, this would be a good idea or this would be a good idea yeah. or I did that on last tour and that was a p real pain to deal with like electronics or whatever yeah so I'm gonna have no electronics on this tour because I want to do you know I want to move more have more movement or something yeah I find the weird um uh, I don't know how you view it but from an outside perspective like this weird I see him as like a 1950s tourist that's yeah. gone, so, gone somewhere exotic. Mm -hmm. That guy mm -hmm. that, that's, that was fairly recent. Yeah. It was really quite disturbing as far as like, that was the most visually disturbing thing, I think, out of all your... Really? Yeah. That was the most disturbing? I don't know why. Because it, it's it's really comedic, but in such a dark way. And it also, I don't know what it is. It just makes me think of all these horrible things from, from like, yeah, me too. This kind of mindset of, of people from that era, how they were all, almost like monsters. Do you know, is that what you mean? Yeah, I've actually found that it, it's been the most. It was the most um, where the, where the most stuff happened. Where where I felt like See, like this... I could get away with the most with that. That's interesting because this is what I was going to then ask. I was going to say that with each of these different personas, if we're looking at them that way, mm -hmm. which one was the most powerful in bringing through those kind of, um, like w that would just kind of push the parameters of what was, what was socially acceptable. Um, that one has pushed the most parameters as far as being, being able to be just absolutely obnoxious in, in, so many ways and that is also one of the ones where I actually felt it was okay to speak more during the show where I could speak and talk to talk through the microphone and address the crowd and stuff like that um, but a lot of the other ones that are sort of more animal like yeah. that are like like look more like an ape or a wolf yeah the mandrill or, kind or, of vibe yeah, yeah. or where the, I'm just like all black and shut down and have like hair on some part of me or um, those are, I would not speak hmm. wearing that kind of stuff. I felt like I couldn't speak at all and that I was just, um, like my movements were a lot more sort of like, I was just ready to tackle something, you know, yeah. to where you just feel like I kind of would feel like one of those 
like demon dogs and Ghostbusters that are just like running around. Zool. Zool, yeah. Yeah. The Zool outfits. So, um, yeah, and a lot of that was there was a lot more off go, going off stage with those, like hmm. going out and running. Like I would, those I actually went into the crowd a lot and would just like push people around in the crowd or run through the barricade or run up like the more like ninja tactics yeah with that kind of stuff but um the uh yeah the the tourist w- is how do like what what's the what's the inspiration do you have a name for for, for him the tourist yeah is that because that's, uh, that's how probably i just most people just call it the tourist. oh okay yeah okay that's like weird because that's, that's just yeah. how i yeah and that's i just started calling it the tourist just being a I wasn't aware of that. That's being weird. A tourist, because I'm kind of a tourist in that whole genre hmm. of music, anyway. Yeah. I've. I, it's like not. I've always felt like it's kind of not my world. Yeah. And I'm just. I think that's why. Um, a tourist there. Yeah, but then I think that's one of the 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 strengths of that band is that that you look at it that way, because it it shows because it's not. See, I know that you probably have a problem with certain aspects of that band and 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 the way it's viewed as being almost meatheadish. But I don't think it is because I think of what what you're doing with it within it totally adds a whole other dimension to it. Well, a lot of people That might be just a that lot I of sit people around just, and think about I mean, it too much. What, I think I mean to, I think a lot of uh, people who are into to Biscuit, I'm just a clown, you know, or a jester or something. I don't see it like that, but you saying that is is funny because then that goes back to the Jazz Coleman thing because mm-hmm. that's how he views that person that he becomes. He calls it the black jester. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and then we started speaking about like Jungian archetypes mm-hmm. and then tarot and stuff, and we got way into it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because even if people do view it as that way, that's not necessarily a a bad thing that they're viewing it as that because they just don't understand what that archetype is. Maybe if we're gonna really sit yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, like really get into it. Yeah, I've given up trying to put much weight in what people's view of it is yeah i mean at the end of the day you shouldn't anyway yeah yeah i i think that i cared about it for a long time and i want to make it clear that at this point i don't care about it anymore i mean but that's liberating right yeah it is um yeah but i think that i've always said things that people i've always talked to like our like fans and stuff like that like i would talk to anyone and and people have given me um, a hard time, like, especially recently that, like, I think some people appreciate me, like, speaking to people online whenever I, like, am responding to people online or even in public, mm. like, when I speak to people face-to-face. Um, I don't really go into, like, like, oh, hi, nice to meet you mode anymore. I talk to people like I would anyone yeah. and I, because I think they deserve that. And yeah. I, a lot of people don't like that because they, they don't they um, they want me to be um, there's how do I say this there's there's a certain 
way that some artists talk to their fans that's very disingenuine and they're playing the role that they think their fans would want them to be of course like, and they're because, just like yeah so grateful and so thankful and so you know pc about everything yeah. and i just i just don't feel that way i think that people deserve to to be treated like people yeah honestly. you know and and if i disagree with someone um you know i'm i'm just because you you were interested in my album and bought my album doesn't mean that i'm going to agree with you in order to you know i'm not a politician i'm not gonna i'm not look, looking for a vote you know yeah. I, i'm i'm looking to express myself i you know i recently asked that if that trump supporters unfollow me on social media yeah. i got a huge backlash from that yeah you know? i saw that yeah i mean people were really even people who weren't trump supporters thought that was a really shitty thing of me to do and i don't feel that way you know i wouldn't have, i i'm not in the least bit regretful about saying that because i think that it's one thing to you know it's one thing to have a difference of opinion on music or film or mm. or something you know or an idea that's not um is not as dangerous yeah. as you know i think trump is so dangerous and 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 that the u.s and you know and the uk in many ways yeah. like like the so for some reason all of a sudden all the racists came out yeah and and all these people who were secretly racist and secret secretly bigots went there there are public figures now who are who are openly saying things that reflect how i feel in, so i've got a free pass so now. i've got a free pass to yeah. let it loose and these people need to know that that's not okay and that if that i don't care who you are if you've been a supporter of me or not um i'm absolutely the only thing i can do to make a statement and i'm not a politician i i vote and that's all i mean i'm a citizen and i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And, and I'm going to use any platform I have to to fiercely state how I feel. Yeah. And I will 
always do that. And in this case, I feel like it's a dangerous enough time to where that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think the situation there and here, as, as we've just had, you know, like I remember going to sleep um, as, you know, after the all the votes had gone in on the referendum and and I woke up in the morning and, and my wife was like, yep, they won. And I was like, ha, yeah, right. She was like, no, really, they won. And um, and it blew my mind. And and uh, and, I, and I see what's happening in the US as well. And it, it just seems to be that, that there is this kind of overriding sort of feeling that, that's it's, happening. It's at like the terrorism won. Yeah, um, they like they won. They got everyone to be <laughs> to be afraid enough to yeah. where to where they they've got you know everyone's just in an uproar of of like stop the bleeding. We have to stop. You know. Yeah. We have to stop this. But, you know, it's like a new segregation or a new. But that's bizarre because that's been going on. You know, like you like you say, growing up in the eighties or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, we're roughly the same age, right? Yeah. I'm forty one. Yeah. Um, how old are you? Forty-three. I thought you were younger than me. No. Well, you look great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um like that whole period of I mean you know as I said in other podcasts when when this whole thing generally comes around is like yeah being at school when when the imminent nuclear threat you know the nuclear threat was was in existence and and at any point we could all be vaporized so that fear but that was, was always a country. That was something you could point a finger at and say, that country so, over there, yeah, behind their walls, mm. across that sea, is our enemy and they're dangerous. Yeah, but and that's that's the same thing now. It's just dressed it's everywhere. up in a slightly different way. Yeah. That whole charade of people being played and having their own fear used against them in that way. Mm-hmm. It, it like why are people not just going this is all bullshit right yeah like we don't we understand that these terrible things are happening in the world they've always been happening mm-hmm. but we don't have to listen to some dude that used to be on the apprentice or whatever it was yeah i mean that's crazy because when that first no thing, i mean when he first started running crazy no one thought well no every, it was a joke and and then and it was it was you know it was it was just a, a gift to comedians. Mm-hmm. But now it's gone so beyond that. You know, in the, in the middle of the art, like, uh, not the art, because it still seems to be rising somewhat. In the middle of his rise, that was when all the, the whole kind of, um, like, conspiracy theories about him actually working with the Clintons, and it was just so that everyone was like, whoa, this guy's a shithead. Let's just... This mm. is our only other option, and I and I, and when when that first got sort of put out there, I was like, yeah, it makes total sense. Maybe that's what this is. Yeah, because and it now, seems like he's everything he's done. He, it seems like it's a move where he, they're like, oh, we're definitely going to lose now if yeah. I do this. Yeah, but like I'll do the worst thing I possibly can, <laughs> and still, it's mind blowing. Yeah, but now. That it's just continued this this rise to the point where now he's it's crazy. 
it blows my mind but um i'm hoping that it's going to get to the point where it's so bad that that is the only option to vote elsewhere i think we passed that point you think yeah i mean i don't i don't think he could do anything he couldn't do anything else <laughs> like I mean, like n- nothing he could do would change his supporters minds that's terrifying. If you were to be walking naked through the streets, barking at cars, I don't think it would affect people voting for him. Yeah. I'd pay to see that, though. I wouldn't. I'm done. <laughs> Remember, the anger has turned into tiredness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Um, um, well, you're, you're here for, uh, like, you just said to me before we started that you did Why Not and... Lee Fest with yeah. With why Queen not Lee Kong. Fest with Queen Kwong? Yeah, we've got one more. Um, we've got a festival in Lithuania that us and the Pearl Hearts, or do you know who the Pearl Hearts are? No. Yeah. Two two um, two girl band that they're really good. We've been playing with them a lot lately. But um, yeah, we're all going over to Lithuania to play uh-huh. this festival that actually might be in Latvia. We're not exactly sure, and we haven't even. We're not even sure what the back line is there. So wow. we're just going over with fingers crossed. Yeah, we're doing that. And then I fly, after that show, I drive um, like three or four hours to Vilnius, to the airport, yeah. and fly through Kiev to Zurich and start three and a half weeks of biscuit shows. Okay. And then um, back over to U.S. to We're going to finish um, the new Queen Kwong record so how's that shaping up she's at 11 songs um some of them i'm involved with mm-hmm. the other are things that she's been working on with joe cardamone from okay chris lanigan are you gonna mix it again um i think so it's it's looking like the the idea is since get a witness was very sort of like improv and raw yeah um what we're doing is we're taking basically what would be finished tracks on Get A Witness, and then we're playing them live. Yeah. And then we're going to re-record them with the band with better mics and better production so that they, the the songs will have gone through three stages. They'll, they'll have gone through the initial demo stage, yeah. then um, a live performance stage so that, because things are interpreted different once you start playing them live. Yeah, you know? of course. Um, so they'll have gone through that, and then they'll all the best bits from those moves through the song, those two generations of the song, will will be put together and be the album. So that we'll have um, an 11-track record that's more streamlined, but still contains all of the raw energy of the live show, which yeah. I don't think we had on the last one, no. and, and also um, all of the studio sort of you know spur to the moment magic yeah so we can we have all of it in one one album it's exciting too because i'm more involved in the writing yeah on this go through on at least four of the tracks and then you know sort of interpreting a lot of stuff that that from the her and joe songs live so it's got it's always just more exciting to be more part of it but it's still like her vision and taking 
the songs that she's writing because they're all based on you know her like her playing bass parts or vocals or yeah stuff like that and just making them come to fruition yeah because i i assumed that um after all that run of shows that you did where the band was firmed up with Mm -hmm. with like hayden yeah hayden and fred uh, and fred that that was going to be the lineup and then you'd work on a record as a band but i I get it that it's not going to be that way well, the move to our move to Detroit really put a large distance between yeah. Hayden and Fred and the two of us. Yeah. And we were writing and wanted to try songs out live, you know, and we couldn't fly them over all the time. And plus, Hayden's playing in the new regime. Yeah. Um, you know, Alan Rubin's band, who've been like opening for Muse, and now they're doing the Cult, and yeah. you know, a, a, they're they're just going from like tour to tour. So they're constantly busy. So we've had to um, have a new rhythm section. You know, to her, we've we've actually been working with multiple rhythm sections, multiple drummers. We've worked with, played with three drummers now live yeah. since Hayden. And um, the guy we have over here is this guy called Ben Luckett, who's from Detroit. And then um, this girl Cheryl, who plays in the Go Team. Okay. A, a yeah, group yeah. the go team here and she's and how how is it now playing those songs um how do they differ from from when you were touring with with the other guys in the um band? it's taken a, a while to get tight with the new players but yeah. it's getting tighter every show we play and a lot and, of people they, like they, it more and are there different different aspects uh, of things that are coming out and because obviously people's planes are different yeah, I mean, there's different things that are happening. They um, Ben, the drummer now, st- really studied Hayden, you know, on video closely mm. and wanted to really capture a lot of the stuff that Hayden was doing. And Cheryl is so good on bass that she's just, you know, she learned yeah. all the parts. And um, her and Corey were having, you know, FaceTime rehearsals where yeah. she was learning all the stuff because she lives in London. But um, it's been, yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. It's you know they're they're I really like this lineup and yeah I'd like I'd like to see it. Um, well, we should have probably played this week since yeah. we've got three days off. But we played London so much last yeah. year that she just wanted to take a year. I think that's a smart thing to do. We played the old we played London seven times last year. Yeah, so take a little break. Yeah, wait until there's something new. Yep, yeah. and there will be hopefully in. I, I think we're going to be done in September. Yeah. And then it'll be probably a spring release. So you can get married. We're getting married in October. Yep. And we're going to go on a honeymoon to Tokyo. Nice. Check that out. And then um, we might be doing another TV show. Oh, yeah? <laughs> they so w- tell, tell me about the, this other one first, because I remember when, when, when you were over in, and you were looking at houses mm-hmm. and the one that you were looking at fell through, right? And, and uh, yeah, we we were we were. Um, it was gonna take about a million dollars to fix that house. Like mm. there were structural problems and um, so many issues. And this house, I forgot what we talked about the last time we were we were chatting. But to summarize quickly the the recent history of this whole thing, um, Corey and I were really sick of LA and we wanted to get out of it. Yeah. You know, LA's like London traffic with no public transportation. So it's and way more spread out and it's awful. 
and we were just tired of it and wanted to move somewhere else and we were looking at everywhere from London to New York to Hudson Valley above New York to Portland Oregon but we wanted to get away from the west coast and get more east coast um New Orleans we were looking at all these different cities and Detroit ended up being the one that seemed the most interesting because the city is kind of having a renaissance right now and there's great people there and um great restaurants and a lot of ideas and people are trying to you know reimagine what the city is going to be what the industry is going to be there so it's sort of like a rebirth in some ways while maintaining the you know the you know the the city as it is and maintaining the history of it you know yeah. i think that the, there's so many different elements there that make it a great city already but also a city that has like super large amounts of potential and um everywhere else just didn't seem as visceral as detroit yeah did and we uh went there and spent some time there and looked at some houses and really felt that that's where we wanted to be and it's also a really well located place because the flight over here is quick from there um the airport's great it's an international airport and you can go anywhere direct um or just with like one stopover somewhere else and it's uh you can get to chicago toronto columbus um you know it's, you can get so many there's so many big cities pittsburgh is close yeah. it's really centrally located so that's where we started looking and we um the house that we originally we looked at a few houses there while we were selling our house in LA and the house that we originally wanted to get we were the second offer in and it was a house that was already remodeled and it was amazing and we it already had an offer in before we put ours in and we lost it so then um Cray at the time was really it sort of had a um what, what do you call a guilty pleasure of watching DIY and HGTV renovation shows. Yeah. And I was started watch, like watching with her these shows and kind of getting into it. And she was like, you know what we should do? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously that's what you say. She goes, you know what we should do? We should get a house that needs to be fixed up in Detroit and just get one of these shows. And that way we can knock it out like that. She's like, it'll force us to, <laughs> it'll force us to like we get a show it'll force us to like do everything up front yeah and that way we don't have to get a house that's already renovated and she was like i'm looking at houses right now there's all these houses that need work there we could just like camp out in a tent in the house while we work on it and i was i was thinking like that's such a bad idea <laughs> have you seen the money pit yeah, yeah. that's what yeah I, I actually have pulled during while we were working on the house i pulled the trailer for the money pit up and showed it to her and started <laughs> and i started tearing up because <laughs> we were like living it so anyway um and this house has been a definite money pit so uh we were just like okay we'll just call up a we'll call up um you know we'll call up a few a, a couple of agents and see if they can get us meetings with the production companies and in one day we had the production company and a few weeks later we had the show that's so weird so weird amazing and, and um we were like okay i guess we're moving to detroit we start shooting we we bought a house that was a mess yeah and 
it got approved. The first house, we bought a house that was a big, real big mess and abandoned it because it was going to cost a million dollars to fix it up. It had, like, the bricks were coming apart on this. There were a bunch yeah. of structural problems. But so anyway, to make a long story, a short story longer, um, we shot this show last year and it ended up, it started airing like i don't know a month ago yeah and and it was one of the biggest if not the biggest rated show that the diy network <laughs> has ever had are you kidding no so they want us to do another one amazing <laughs> so <laughs> wow so uh yeah so they're they're beating down our door now to do so, another and one. how's that gonna work like your house is done though right yeah so what it would be um, you can't do mine. If you move to Detroit, yeah. maybe we will. Um, the idea is to to get a house and um, do the work on it and donate it to charity oh, no, in Detroit. So that would be season two. How bizarre. So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I haven't seen it. How was it? How was it being filmed on everything? Because um, you're, you, you know... You're quite an introverted person. Um, they, they just, I don't know. I wasn't introverted when we were working no. on our house, but um, yeah. But how did you feel about it? Was it was it fun? It was really challenging to like work because we were doing like twelve hour days, you yeah. know, and having to wake up at the crack of dawn, you know, to shoot this thing. And we did it for twelve weeks. I really want to see it. So it was, it was a grueling schedule, like, yeah. you know, and having to deal with a lot of issues and, you know, I mean, still, we're still working on the house now. Hmm. The show just knocked out like a lot of it. Yeah. And, but the, this house is a money pit, man. It's like just now is the money starting to stop draining, but I mean, drain my savings. It's, yeah. it's. But been, do you, I remember lot. when we were talking, you were talking about putting a studio in the basement. And yeah, and, and that, that turned out great. No, the oh, studio's done? done, yeah. Oh, awesome. That, I did, I, we, we remodeled the basement, put in the studio. Um, as soon as the show pulled out of the house, I started cabling and doing, because I just, we, we only had time to, like, place all the boards and the desk and the computers and, like, do a quick, like, wire it up quickly just so it was barely functional yeah you know and um when they left that's when i brought like because they were like don't bring too much gear in because i have just shit loads of gear they were yeah. like okay stop because <laughs> i was bringing stuff in it was like bringing all the amps and guitars and drums and boards and everything and they were like it's going to be too cluttered we should just shoot it like you know yeah. don't bring the wait till bring all the rest of your stuff in until after we're done. So um, that's when they when the show pulled out. That's when I started bringing everything else in. Actually, all these houses have in the basement. A lot of them were built during Prohibition, so they have a ballroom and a billiard room, and then they'll have like a, a cabinet that opens and that the back pushes out of the cabinet for them to store liquor behind. So we uh, took the ballroom and made it the live room and the billiard room and made it the control room. And because they're just big, they're terrazzo floors and really harsh angles and none of them were meant to be 
you know studio spaces so man paneling like acoustic panels like just i just kept putting them in putting them in putting them in putting them in and you could still like clap and it would go <laughs> and be like super super you know all like the huge reverb and like all kinds of harsh slap between right angles and yeah or parallel walls and um yeah we got it sounding really good Sounds so good now, i yeah. did crystal machete there was the first record i did great um and i started the minute the last thing was plugged in and recorded for five weeks and then that was it amazing but I hadn't record like I say that I did Crystal Machete really quickly, but I hadn't recorded anything for a year and a half or written mm-hmm. anything for a year and a half because during the whole moving and transition and shooting that show, when when we weren't moving or packing or unpacking or shooting the show, we were on tour. Yeah. Because Biscuit and Queen Kwong both toured so much last year yeah. that I was just going from tour to tour to tour to tour to tour, and um, so I didn't have a studio for a year and a half. So. I had all these ideas and they just, and I knew exactly what I was going to do. I didn't know what shape it was going to take necessarily, but I knew that I was going to make something that sounded like that record. So it was just like, boom. Yeah. And, and all this, all the thought about writing was, was put, you know, amazing. Brought into reality. To have all that um, at your disposal now as well. I mean, that's got to be. Oh yeah. It's so. I mean, it's so easy to work with space, yeah. you know, to have an actual, you know, separate room and to be able to, because in LA I had a storage space that I would, in, a, in like maybe a, an eighth of the space yeah. that I had to work, that I have to work with now. So it's been just killer. Yeah. And are you writing other stuff? Is there going to be more, um, more stuff along the lines of like w- what? Yeah, that's what I want to do now. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing a a sequel record to you know the next record as a solo artist. The Blacklight Burns thing I think has run its course. Like yeah. I, I think so. I I don't really find it. Um, I find touring to be kind of I don't know. In as far as Blacklight Burns goes, I I don't find that making those albums and touring is bringing a lot of enjoyment to me yeah anymore because i don't putting a band together and like i'm already doing that in queen kwong yeah like, exactly you know that, yeah working on putting bands together and stuff like that and and Karay is really driven to do that and i'm not really writing songs and it, that are like heavy songs aren't it's not really what i get excited about anymore yeah. you know i want to i want to write music that i would want to listen to yeah i think and um, but do you think another band will, will be necessary at some point for those songs to have a home, or do you think that? that oh, for the Crystal Machete stuff. Yeah, or or, or or other other things that you might be writing. Um, I if because I, I find that you know when I'm writing, I you know you're very much just working with what's what, what's appearing without getting too much into that side of it. Mm-hmm. You know. And then you kind of try and find a home for them afterwards. I mean, I I've always written with a project in mind. Okay. I think you know I I've I've always written like I really knew that all the stuff that I was writing was we're gonna it was all gonna be for this record. Yeah. Um, and for you know for Blacklight Burns, I knew that I was gonna be writing for Blacklight Burns. And yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, even that developed into something that I didn't really like anymore. Yeah. Sort of like like it got to. I've I've all I'm I never like stuff <laughs> after I've. Crystal Machete is the first thing that I have that I still like. Six months after. I'll give it a year and a half. Yeah, give it a year and a half. But at least you know, at least we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, at right. least I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah, which is interesting because I remember when I, last time I was in LA. I came out to the studio when yeah. you were doing the, mm-hmm. the biscuit record. Yeah, and I really see. I, I really liked the idea that Fred seemed to have for it because it was like I remember him saying, and it's similar to something you've said mm-hmm. yourself. Like oh, people don't give a shit, so we can do whatever we want. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if we play shows, people are just going to want to hear the hits. Yeah. So then you're in this liberating space where you can do anything and it doesn't matter because he, he I remember him saying, well, people are going to give it a shitty review anyway, so we might as well just do whatever yeah. I want to do. And and his idea about it being this, I don't know if I can talk mm. about it. I don't no, know go, go for it. Yeah, like about it being almost like this sort of Paul's Boutique idea where, where things suddenly morph into other things and it mm-hmm. won't be regular song structures. Yeah. And, and, um, and I was like, that sounds great, man. I mean, and, yeah, I mean, and, that was the idea then, you know, and yeah. I'm not sure what what his idea is now exactly. I just we've I know we've worked on a lot of different we've we've had a lot of different sessions for yeah. this record and people are, you know, our diehard fans really want it to come out. But yeah. the truth is that Fred's just not happy with what he's yeah. working on. He's not happy with it. So he's yeah. I know that he's been working on vocals for it on and off and because it was really interesting what i heard i thought i thought it was you know it was pushing things yeah for what that band does yeah i and and uh, some of that might you know be part of the record you know that might still be what the record is i i don't know if more is going to be written or not um but in the same way, like I'm much more the person where I've I've just been like, you know, let's just do whatever and put it out. Like I'm yeah. I'm all about like capturing capturing whatever is happening with me now. That's probably why I've looked back and not liked a lot of stuff that I've done is because I'm looking back at like a, an old haircut I had or something. You know, it's yeah. like the equivalent of going like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, but I'm much more of like, let's do it and get it out. Whereas he's much more like he'll just keep working on something until he's happy with it and mm. even if it takes years and it, at this point it has taken you know years for him to get happy with it and i'm just not sure he's like in the same way where it's like well nobody gives a fuck let's just put it out it's like i think his mindset is well nobody gives a fuck so we better like i better like it if i'm going to put it out for me yeah so it, like i think that we're you know, we but then you we don't in. see eye to eye in that way. Mm. Um, but I understand. I definitely understand. Yeah, how he feels. Yeah, about I get it. that too. But at the same time, you, you, it's very easy to then fall into that trap where you're chasing your own tail and you can't see the wood for the trees because you're right. Yeah. It it definitely is. So well, that's the that's the creative process, though, isn't it? It's like anything. It's like if you're painting. At yeah, some it's point different you have to for stop. yeah. At some point, you have to stop. Then it's different for everyone. You know, yeah, everyone has their course. own. So, I mean, who knows how much longer it'll be on that record? Mm. Maybe forever. <laughs> Are you still painting, by the way? I stopped painting about two years ago, and then 
just recently started again. Yeah. Um, with a brand new set of parameters that are similar to the crystal machete parameters. Yeah. Um, as, as that the way as different as that record is from what I've done before, my paintings that I've just started now are the same difference from the paintings I've done in the past. Okay. So and, and what, sub are the, what are the the points of reference or or, or the uh, it's a the goals the goals are um, as simple as possible as big as possible great and the biggest canvases I can I can do with um, figured figured their portraits yeah you know like like mostly like full body portraits. Um, with unbusy backgrounds, um, and a mix of, um, actual reference and then out of my head as for the people. So okay. I'm not, I'm not working from, I'm working like from some reference, but not a ton of reference. Okay. Um, and then they're, um, just very bold, simple huge paintings it with not and have you started doing you started doing some then obviously. yeah started. How, how is it um i haven't photographed any of them yet but how do you feel about it mm, working on that scale? i like one so far <laughs> i'm working on two at a time okay and um because scale I'm, is, then i'm sketching it, like you i mean you painted fairly large anyway right because I, I, yeah. I, I struggle with with scale as far as things that like i've i found that i've gone down this route where it was something that i that i never really wanted to do mm -hmm. but now i'm actually happy where it's going where where everything was really tight mm -hmm. and small and and super figurative yeah but yeah still i love your pain it's, it's getting there it's but really good thank you but i feel like i need to to do what you've just described and, and get way bigger and well i'm i'm doing nothing under six feet tall wow so it, everything. See that blows my mind. I find looking at a tiny piece of paper to start work on daunting. I can't even imagine how it is standing in front of like a six foot canvas. Well, I want to get even bigger than that and just have like almost all one figure. A couple might be two figures. Yeah. But they'll be very close together and fit into like the the golden triangle. Yeah. Sort of, you know, as far as how they're laid out. Um, but I, uh, I'm gonna do, I think twenty of these, and I'm gonna have a show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that show is gonna be, yet. Um, but it's gonna be a rebranding of. It's gonna be the first time I think that I've actually taken painting seriously. Yeah. And then I'm going like. Gonna shave your head, hang out with Wayne Coyne, and take loads of drugs. Yeah. Total that's, that's the dream. <laughs> well, that's great though. And that to 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 totally go at things in a in a in a different way, I'd be I'd be so daunted. But that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, and the other you thing must have some pictures. Some pictures of the paintings. Yeah. No, I don't. I haven't Come taken on. any photos of them. I really don't. Wow. I won't photograph them. I really want to. I see think Corey has a picture of one. Yeah. That she took without me knowing, and sent it to one of our uh, art dealer friends who went, Yeah, yeah, give us more. Great. So. 
Yeah, but mostly so what's have you been put, taken have you up. Put a timeline on that, or are you just going to uh, work two until years. you're happy? I think I'm going to. I think it's going to take me two years. Yeah. To get twenty done, so I think it, maybe spring of 2018. I'll be, and I'm not going to put any online or show anyone anything. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> like I'm keeping it completely. I just I don't like talking about what I'm go- going to do. I yeah. really liked this like how I made crystal machete without yeah. telling anyone and just went, there's a record. Yeah. Cause I really like that surprise kind of, you know, like not showing the works and work in progress or not telling somebody what you're going to do, but just hitting them with a knockout punch, you know, yeah. like, here you go. Are you going to document it though? Whilst you're in the process of making these paintings? Um, I'll probably take some pictures. Even if it's just for, but no pictures have been one of the parameters. Like, I'm not allowed to photograph them because I don't wow. want to be, like, I don't want to be tempted to um, put, when I'm bored at some point, to go, like, oh, I'll just put that on Instagram yeah, or whatever. But that's but, really tough to do that because I'm, I'm, t- I, it's not like I'm in this, oh, love me, love me sort of need for affirmation. Mm-hmm. But it's almost as if I feel like I'm not working enough if I'm not posting on social media. Which or sounds something. crazy. No, it's it, it, that... it. It's almost like it's not. It's almost as if I, it's a self-imposed means of making sure I do stuff. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah, I, I feel like I'll yeah. sit on my ass and do nothing. I really want to. I I know what you mean, but I I'm I'm really feeling like I need to and Corey and I talked about this last night about renting a place for a month that doesn't have um that just has a landline yeah and um giving people uh, like the number like a couple people a number in case of emergency like if there's a death or yeah. you know or if we have to be re if our house is you know there's some sort of incident in our house like a flood or in the basement or something but um you know, going finding a like a cabin in the woods that has a landline and and leaving our phones hmm. um, behind and just like a detox. Yeah, just a taking a month and yeah. and and not having the ability to really speak to anyone and and just work and just work on ideas. You yeah. know, work on ideas to execute when we get back. You know, whether whether it's you know sketching or we take like a little bit of equipment to record ideas but just sort of like um just sort of having trying that out yeah you know and and i think that that's something that we we both have agreed that we want to do that at some point next year so um and also we've we need a break from this actually coming over here is i've sort of had a break from we got into rescuing cats in yeah, Detroit, like a big animal problem in Detroit. And we've actually um, kind of started an unofficial cat shelter out of our house where, where we've been, people have been tipping us off to where there's like colonies of cats and we've been going and trying to get, get them like the mother and the kittens and yeah. then do like trap and release. Cause it's, that there's something like 650,000 wild animals in Detroit. 
wow and that's just sort of a guess you know I mean, and it's and what and with the end being that they'll be rehoused and yeah with like if we can get like kittens getting, and getting cats spayed and neutered mm-hmm. and if you can get the k- kittens around two months or less they there's a chance that they can be turned into being domesticated and not just wild feral, yeah. feral biting scratching you know hiding like I imagine just you sat at home i've been trying to eat so cereal with just thousands of cats just biting you no they're they're <laughs> they're they're all they're all in different rooms like all our guest rooms in our house all have like a different like group oh of cats God. living in them you know and i just we got overwhelmed where we were we had um we had 18 in our house and four at our neighbors across the street it's and so commendable but geez no it's been exhausting and we worry about them all the time and now we have we have three feline leukemia positive cats which is basically like aids yeah for cats. feline aids yeah yeah it's not feeling there's also fib which is feline aids but feline leukemia is even more contagious and it's like it's in the blood and and can go down to the bone marrow and only they have 50 percent of them die within under a year Whoa. so we've got those quarantined in a part of our house and they're so sweet and they're you know they they caught the disease from a shelter that we were working with that was really it's really a bad place you know that, that doesn't have a lot of money and and is totally overrun and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and um it's an unwinnable battle and we're not going to make a difference, but we're trying to make a tiny dent, you know, yeah. in the problem. You know, it's just, you get into this, like, you want to save them all, yeah, you of know, course. but, but, um, that's the other thing that we're working on in Detroit is we're, we're, we've just partnered with this guy, um, this developer named Ron, who's just bought a huge, uh, complex, of like a, a he bought a hospital and a factory and a power plant and a school they're all in one huge complex and bought several of the abandoned homes around this area yeah and is working with the city to redevelop it all into like lofts and coffee shops and a skate park and and then fill know. the rest of it with cats yeah and one of the how one of his houses is going to be a cat shelter Wow. It's going to be a cat rescue because there's not one proper in Detroit. You have to like go outside of into the suburbs to go to them. But that's crazy. If it, so if we're going to build a, one with him. Yeah, with such a big issue in the town. Because you've got all these abandoned houses there that are perfect. The basements are perfect mm. for for you know cats to go in and just have loads of babies that start having babies with each other. And then yeah. you've got uh, one of the cats that we're keeping is this cat named Boba. Yeah, that we that. captured that who's got he's yeah. got the little heavy metal throwing horns all the time because his mom and dad were probably brother and sister yeah. and that you know that inbreeding thing happens and leads to birth defects but man it's we need help yeah and we're you know we're getting it now we're starting to network there and find people who are also you know really into saving animals <laughs> How's the toxoplasmosis working out for you? You're just going to be... Oh, I'm good. Yeah? I'm, yeah, I've I've definitely got toxoplasmosis, I'm yeah. sure. Wow. Corey's allergic to cats, and she keeps... Are you kidding? ...doing it. No. <laughs> 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 no. 
<laughs> she's Both like just takes Zyrtec all day long and you no know way. yeah she's allergic to some more than others that's a good point to finish on <laughs> Thank you for checking out episode 14 of swim podcast thank you to wes you can follow him online on various uh things i think it's just at wes borland on most stuff just google stuff you know um also track down his album um which is out on edison sound records which is called crystal machete it's brilliant the next episode of swim was going to be with Ben Weinman from the Dillinger Escape Plan, and we talk about their new album, Dissociation, and also Giraffe Tongue Orchestra. But as the second week of October is the 20th anniversary of the Marilyn Manson album, Antichrist Superstar, I thought I would put out an interview that I did with Manson, uh, I think at the start of this year when he was on tour and I was on tour with him. And, and we we did this interview at like 4 a.m. And we, and we spoke about, antichrist superstar and as he has a um affinity to the number 15 it's an auspicious number in his world um episode 15 of swim will be marilyn manson there's also an accompanying podcast that goes with that that i did with geordie as well twiggy ramirez which will be like i guess 15 and a half or 16 um so that will come out around the same time so that should be around the second week of october when when the album's anniversary comes up again please write a review a nice one would be great uh on itunes do some star ratings preferably five would be fantastic and look out for more spread the word hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As well, because I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Peace.